1: Welcome to it. It's a Monday edition of Hail Varsity Radio. If you haven't heard by now, if you can't tell, just based on the voice alone, Schmitty is not in today. He is uh, with his family today, as he should be. I'm Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris today alongside Will Wilson. We're excited to have the, the show today. Should be a good one. Got a fun one planned. Greg Smith coming up in about 20 minutes. We also have... Former Nebraska defensive coordinator and Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, coming up a little bit later in hour two, but we got a lot to get into. If you got any thoughts for the show, you can give us a call 402-466-3776 or 1-800-825-5865. We want to get your thoughts after a busy NFL day yesterday, as well as a, just a wild day of college football on Saturday. I think that kind of reminded everyone why college football is king around here there's just uh no excitement like college football on saturday proved just that but i, I want to take a second here to introduce my co-host for the day will wilson if you're a local listener you know him from Gregathan hooks in the morning on espn lincoln from 9 to 11 uh, but if you don't know Will, if you're not a Lincoln listener, never heard him before, uh, Will is awesome on the radio. Pride of Lincoln East High School, <laughs> and uh, the most dangerous shooter that Mahoney Park has ever seen. Will, how you doing today? Wow,
2: that is a, a great introduction. I'm doing good, Elijah. Hey, how are you?
1: Uh, I've been better. Yeah. Uh, the, the sports betting wasn't wasn't entirely great to me this weekend Did not have a good weekend huh um but still got monday night football to to, to make some money back to all back huh i'm not sure about all back well you
2: know put a little 15 dollar uh, player prop parlay together maybe hit
1: 10 you're back <laughs> <laughs> uh I, i'm not sure if i'd be back just off of that but we'll, we'll see it could um be. We we do have Possible. thoughts coming up in hour two on that uh, that Chiefs Ravens game coming up tonight, as well as just a, a big day around the NFL. How about Rex Burkhead three touchdowns for the Patriots, Rexy? What a day for Sexy Rexy. It's fun to watch him perform. But I want to start off talking a little college football. This is a, a Husker football show, uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the day on Saturday. Hail Varsity Radio's adoptive team, Mississippi State. What a day for them on Saturday. K.J. Costello, the grad transfer quarterback from Stanford with an SEC wow. record. SEC record of all the years in the SEC, no one has ever thrown for 623 yards. He did it on Saturday as they took down the reigning champs, LSU. Will, you get a chance to watch that game? A little bit. It was it was on at the bar when I was working, so I caught a little bit of it, but uh, pretty
2: impressive, huh? What a, yeah, what a game and what a performance from that Mississippi State offense. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. History is made, and uh, better yet, man, it was against uh, the Bopalini defense of the Tigers. Which I'm not, not sure about better yet. Which a lot of people uh, pointed out. You
1: know, And, and I'm not going to be quick to trash Bo Pelini in his first game. Of course not. His best player on that defense, Derek Stingley, uh, was out for the game. And when you're going up against an air raid, uh, Stingley, the cornerback, is, is a big part of that. So they instead had uh, an entire secondary out there that has never started a game before for LSU.
2: Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, uh, KJ Costello, that, that is a quarterback name right there.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. KJ Costello. That's a quarterback name. And he, he, one of the guys where I wonder if... When he makes it to the NFL, if he makes it to the NFL, he'd drop the KJ and go for more. I'm not even sure what his actual name is. Maybe it is KJ. I, I don't know. I'm going to go with it. Why wouldn't it be? That's what
2: they show on TV. But, like, you'd think he's one of those guys that would go by his, like, actual name once, once he makes it. No, I think he's... Uh, KJ... Why would he change it from KJ? KJ is kind of cool.
1: His real name is Kevin Richard Costello, so I have no idea where Kevin. the J comes from. Maybe it's Junior. Probably Junior. I wonder if his father's... You said Kevin. Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Okay, yeah. Stick to KJ. See, he's a, a political science major. Wants to get into uh, to government. No, I mean stick to football, man. I mean, stick to football he's for now. That he slung it on Saturday. I mean, it, it just kind of proved that that Mike Leach air raid offense, mm-hmm. and not necessarily unstoppable, but people call it simple, but simple works. <laughs> KJ Costello can run a. He can throw a, a four yard hitch route, and LSU couldn't stop it all day. They couldn't get pressure on him. He just had time to pick apart in 623 yards. That's just astounding. That is pretty amazing. But uh, And that was their first game of the, the season, correct? Or? First game of the season yeah. for both teams. Which which makes me wonder, whenever Nebraska and Ohio State face off, LSU did not look like the same team that they were last year. And I get that. They're down 18 starters from that, that team last year. Yeah. But the, you would still expect a team that was a national championship contender. The, the guys behind them can still see the, the effort and the, the the type of performances the guys in front of them put on last year and that team just looked disheartened from the start <laughs> yeah you know maybe it was week one
2: and you know we've seen a lot of upsets week one you know that's why a lot of people are excited about Ohio State week one people are looking forward to that but I don't know you, like you had Mississippi State they came out you know firing they came out the ready team and I think it's all mattering about what teams are doing in practice leading up Te- teams are hitting you know how how fast they're going that all matters man
1: I think Mississippi State—they were ready. Mike Leach, the Pirate, was with us on Thursday. Uh, he was understandably pretty excited to get his first SEC win under his belt uh, on Saturday against—I mean—a defending championship team in the LSU Tigers. Uh, and he had a, some thoughts post-game. Uh, and I, I mean, how could he not love the guy after hearing this?
3: Yeah, I tell you, it's better than average. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this stadium—there's a lot. There's a lot of ghosts in this stadium, and. Um, you know, and you play. Uh, we play. We played LSU because you know New England, Green Bay, and the Chiefs uh, had somebody scheduled, so we played these guys. But I'm really proud of our guys. I thought we played real well. I thought we stuck in there during tough times.
1: <laughs> but th- th- that last line, though, about oh the the Patriots and Green Bay, they all had somebody scheduled. Yeah, that that comes off to me as an off-brand way of saying we want Bama. You think so? Yeah, he's saying give us the best talent. I love it. And
2: he mentions ghosts. I like how he mentions ghosts. Is that what he said? Ghosts mm-hmm. in the stands? Yeah. And what does that even mean?
1: Uh, is it just talking about the stands are empty? Is that what, he's, what he's, was he's there, referring there, to? Wasn't there fans there? I mean, pretty much empty. I don't know. That's Leach. Yeah, Leach, that's the pirate for you. He's a man. He, uh, he was on... Uh, the, the name of the podcast keeps him up. He was on a podcast uh, after the win. And uh, he was asked whether or not he'd be wearing a pirate outfit whenever they play Alabama... On Halloween we got Bama and Mississippi State scheduled for Halloween night and he's asked if he's gonna wear a, a pirate costume he said I don't know uh, it just kind of depends if the players and the coaches could still take me seriously but I do think the fans would like it and it's something I've never thought of before
2: if I see Mike Leach wearing a pirate outfit on the sidelines I don't know what I'll be thinking of that I'll love it but uh man it'll be a first it, 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 I think it,
1: it's if you get to win it's awesome but if you lose and you kind of get humiliated by Bama, which a lot of teams have done within the past 10 years, uh, it's a bad look. Yeah, did you see what Leach did today? No. They put out a video. Oh, yeah. Put, and like he was asking people to hop on the bandwagon. Hail Varsity Radio has hopped on the bandwagon. Mississippi State is our adoptive team until October 24th. You are you are in. I am in on Mississippi State, uh, Ole Miss, which is kind of my... It's weird. I got the, I got two adoptive teams in this city. I got a friend who goes to Ole Miss. He was back in town this weekend. Uh, and I was talking to him about Mississippi State, and he hates Mississippi State with a burning passion. And he said it was wrong for me to support Mississippi State and Ole Miss, uh, but I'm going to do what I want. I live in Nebraska. I don't live in Mississippi. I don't have to pick allegiances like that. Uh, Ole Miss looked good for about a half against Florida, uh, and then Florida's offense kind of took off. Florida's good. I think they're all right this year. Who's that quarterback? Uh, no clue. No clue. No clue. Kyle Trask. Trask. Kyle it. Trask had six touchdown passes for Florida. And I wasn't sure if I was a, a believer in Kyle Trask before before Saturday, but put on a great performance against Ole Miss. Yeah, and the, the, I think
2: they're top, they're ranked top five. And it's so weird to look at the rankings, too, right now. I think, I think they're Louis, kind of BS right, Louisiana right now. Louisiana Lafayette, I think, is uh, ranked right now. As they should be. Well, you think they'd be ranked right now if everybody was playing?
1: No, but they're 3-0 with three impressive wins. Sure, put them in. Make them feel good. Uh We've been talking a lot of SEC, though. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little Big 12 in Oklahoma. <laughs> huh. Thanks. Huh. The, the laugh is about all you need to know with Oklahoma's performance against Kansas State on Saturday. Uh dominant, dominant, dominant first quarter performance. Had 200 yards of offense in the first quarter. Uh, They had 11 first downs as compared to Kansas State's zero first downs in the first quarter. And it looked early like a runaway. Yeah, it's one of those games where I was watching earlier,
2: saw that Oklahoma was up big, stopped watching, and then when you look at your phone, you like two hours later, you see that and you're just shocked. That was one of those games for me.
1: Yeah, and uh, the quarterback for Oklahoma uh... Oh, I'm going to have it in a second. It's going to come to me. Because he's trying to follow up the likes of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and kind of kind of just looked unimpressive all second half. Spencer Rattler, that's the name. Former uh, number one quarterback in the country. He was featured on Netflix's show QB1 a few years back. Um, oh, was? Yeah, a, a big name recruit. And didn't have... When you look at the stats, it's not awful until you get to the interceptions and then that big interception at the end, which, which sealed it. Uh, Which was a hell of a play, by the way. He was 30 of 41, but he was 30 of 41 for 387 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, it's a good line. It's a good line until you see the three picks. And watching him live, he didn't look like the same dynamic playmaker that Kyler Murray was, that Baker Mayfield was. Jalen Hurts I wouldn't call dynamic, but he was still a playmaker. And and Spencer Rattler did not look to part. I know it's his first ever college start, or second Second career college start. Uh, I'm not giving their non-conference. That barely counts, though. I don't even know who they beat. I don't care who they beat because I'm sure they killed them. Uh, But didn't look the part to me against a K-State team, which is bad. If we're honest, just on paper. Yeah, I mean... K-State's team has zero recruits who are four or five stars compared to Oklahoma's
2: 55. Now be careful. Be careful with that because uh, K-State, they were without three of their starting uh, secondary... Okay, so the, those are backups
1: in there recruits. Yeah, they had receivers playing cornerback in this game.
2: Maybe that's why got, they got the three picks. That's amazing because receivers can catch the ball better. <laughs> that's, that's amazing though. I mean, that's a hell of a. But the, what's with the Big Twelve? I mean, it's just happening left and right. K State, we were all giving them crap because they lost, you know, to a by team week one, and now they're
1: getting that upset to Oklahoma. It's weird, man. It is weird to watch. Uh, are, this we' we're, we're I don't think we have enough time in this uh this segment to get into this but th- the whole thought of Nebraska going back to the big twelve this offseason, which was floated around never really seriously by anyone who was actually important uh but the, the idea was floated around and and this weekend is like nah nah we might get killed in the big ten but at least we don't have to deal with that the the no defense in the big twelve just kind of not, not the joke of college football at this point but they're they're just the uh, yeah, you put up sixty points against a Big Twelve defense. Okay, <laughs> I uh, I don't
2: know. It yeah, you're right. It was talked about a lot, but I don't know. Yeah, right. The Big Ten is different. I I it's kind of hard to remember what the Big Twelve was like just because we were kind of young at the time. But uh, I don't know. It's it is different. And you know, looking at TCU, everyone's talking about uh, Spielman down there. And,
1: you yeah, I, I don't really want to get into this. It's, it's, I don't want to judge somebody based on their first game in a new uniform, especially in a weird off season like this. Uh, but what was his stat line? One carry for four yards and that was it? Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish the guy all the best. J.D. Spielman put in work for Nebraska, and I hope his season picks up from here. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of people calling him out on Twitter, especially because, yeah, it's, it's his first game in a new uniform, in a new offense, uh, especially whenever you're the focus of an offense. At a place like Nebraska, that you're not going to be that at TCU. So I, I'm going to give him some time. I'm going to give him a little bit of a little bit of leeway to to get his feet wet, get his feet under him at TCU, and uh, and get things going. Because I'm rooting for the kid. Sure. And I, I probably shouldn't call him a kid. He's older than me. But I, I'm rooting for J.D. Spielman at TCU. And uh, all the best to him. I don't want to get into that too much. Uh, I feel like you guys probably got into it a little bit this morning. Yeah, well, I mean, we just talked about it. I mean, yeah, you don't have to get anything you don't want to. Elijah. Yeah, but I, I'm just. I don't want to root against the guy because he put in just years of service in Nebraska in a bad team and was dealing with mental health issues at the same time. Uh, I hope he gets his fresh start and I hope he gets his NFL shot next year and I hope he plays well to finish the year for TCU. Yeah, I hope so too. Last of my thoughts. uh, See if it happens. While we're on the topic, Big 12, uh, we had Bill Dolman on Friday and his message was that he thinks, uh, at least towards the end of his interview, he, he said he thinks that the Nebraska-Iowa rivalry may have surpassed already the Nebraska-Colorado rivalry.
2: Hmm. That's interesting.
1: And, and as, a, as a young person who doesn't remember competitive games against Colorado, the, the games I remember are in Bill Callahan's last year, his last game, getting drubbed by uh, Colorado on the last day of the season. That, that's my memory, and then we got the the Sue uh, sack and pick six. Yeah, I mean that's all. Followed I... Followed by the Alexander kick. Mm-hmm. But none of those screamed excitement. I never grew up hating Colorado. Well,
2: that's. The, I feel like we had this conversation back when we played Colorado, and everyone was saying, oh, "Is Colorado a rival?" Blah, blah blah blah. You know, yes, they are. They are. It, it was a tr- I believe it was a. Tr- it was a trophy game until they lost the trophy. Yeah, that that definitely happened. But uh, it's definitely a rivalry. I don't know. I. I, I after I, continue sorry. I just I hate Colorado more than Iowa, but I don't know it's different because we play Iowa now.
1: We play Iowa now, and now that they've gotten us five straight years, uh, I, I've taken a couple trips to Iowa City, and those fans are smug as hell. <laughs> they think that they will always be better than Nebraska, and it does not matter. They will get lo- less talent than us. They will do more with it, and they will beat us year in year out. And I am ready for that narrative to change. Well, the, Iowa, uh, their their program is uh, racist. I mean, I personally just dislike Iowa more than I dislike Colorado because Colorado never seemed like a true threat to Nebraska.
2: Don't But don't you hate them a little more now? Because, like, they beat us twice, bro, and they really are, like, walking over us over there.
1: I don't. I don't. but Because the Iowa fans, closer to home, five hours away, I run into more Iowa football fans than Colorado football fans, that's for sure. Is there even such thing as a Colorado football fan? Think, <laughs> I've, yet, I've yet to meet a true Colorado football fan Somebody who just bleeds for Colorado Whereas I wire into a lot more And man, do they dislike Nebraska Every single year They want to beat Nebraska And it's one of their top wishes for the season Is to beat Nebraska They have beat us five straight years The way in which they've done it pisses me off Yeah, so we need to beat them We need to beat them Because the rivalry is kind of, you know You can only only be so mad at somebody. Yeah, especially whenever they've beaten you five straight years. Exactly. And that's why I think the this rivalry has already surpassed Colorado. That's coming from the perspective of a 21-year-old who probably doesn't know all the rich history of Nebraska's rivalries against Colorado and Oklahoma. But Nebraska-Iowa, I hate them, and that's my top rivalry this year. I, I want Nebraska to win. varsity radio it's a monday edition of hail varsity radio elijah herbal and will wilson filling in for chris today and uh, a lot of big news from this weekend to get into first though we check in with recruiting insider for hail varsity magazine greg smith and greg before we get into recruiting i i need to talk to you about your lakers You, you knocked out my nuggets this weekend and not entirely unexpected But uh, I know you got to be over the moon right now.
4: I mean, yeah, I, I feel good about, about them going back to the finals. It has been a long 10 years, it's the longest stretch of my life, uh, time that the Lakers have not been in the finals. So the, it makes me very happy to see that happening. But as everybody on the team uh, has been saying, uh, the job's not finished. So I feel like I'm in this weird position where I can only be so happy that they won the Western Conference because the ultimate goal is the championship, which is the only thing that we really care about. And so on one hand, that sounds like a flex, and on the other hand, uh, I'm really just like kind of a paranoid fan because I know that if they lose, like everybody will be making fun of me. So it, it, it's just an interesting position to be in.
1: Are you worried about the Heat?
4: Uh, yes. Um, they, have a, they have a good team. like, And they have, the, uh, the, I think, the type of team that you have to have to be able to like, at least hang with the Lakers. Like, They have some good wing defenders, so they have multiple guys that they can throw at LeBron. Uh, Bam has become a star in the league, which is great for him. Um, but he can then kind of match up with Anthony Davis. That'll kind of be key to see if he's quite ready for primetime in the bright lights. But at the same time, we need to see that a little bit about Anthony Davis in the finals. We've seen it throughout these uh, players playoffs and they have the coaching advantage even though I like Frank Vogel as a coach um, I would trade him for Spo in a heartbeat um, so yeah there's things to, to be worried about there but at the end of the day the Lakers have the two best players in the series typically in the NBA that that wins out for you
1: I, I personally love the Heat team I would have loved to see Celtics versus Lakers in the finals because this the history that goes with that matchup I think that would, would have been a lot of fun but I mean how could you not be having fun watching Tyler Hero play Duncan Robinson, uh, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy buckets, Jimmy Butler. H- how fun has that team been to watch? I mean, it- it's been incredible. But I mean, Greg, it's it- it's still the Lakers, and I I can't let you go without getting a, a finals prediction.
4: Lakers in five? Is that what I'm hearing from you? I I like the Lakers in five. I think it would be very poetic to have them uh, basically go in five throughout the entire uh, playoffs. I would not like that to come with them losing game one because, man, it it would be something to have to go through that um, on social media if they lose that first game. But I I, I like Lakers in five, and I am genuinely happy for Jimmy Butler, as a guy from Chicago, um, and having seen his career and how the Bulls kind of discarded him and thought that he wasn't good enough to build around. Um, Even though he really actually wanted to be there, like he was the last star that really wanted to be in Chicago, Um, I'm I'm really happy for him to be in this situation.
1: Yeah, going to be some fun storylines in the NBA uh, Finals for sure. But Greg, one last NBA thought, not specifically about your Lakers. But it's about the other team in L.A. The Clippers, the team I'm sure you love to hate. They have fired Doc Rivers as their head coach. This came down about 10 minutes ago. Um, So where do you think the Clippers go from here? Clearly they've already invested and are saying Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, those are our two guys, and and Doc Rivers wasn't the coach to get it done. Do you think there's any just obvious candidates that are are just screaming off the page for you right now for the Clippers?
4: So I guess the first name that a lot of people are probably going to go to is Ty Lue. but like and if, if he's there's, there's all the other openings um, that he could also be linked with um, and so that's interesting otherwise I'm not sure I don't know what type like what kind of style do they want to play like do they want to overhaul that roster like I think that that's going to be kind of a, a key thing for whatever coach takes over there right is that you've got to figure out whether or not you want to just kind of run it back with a group that they had and try and fix the chemistry issues um, and get it, get them in a new system or if you to make some some changes to the roster because they have tradable assets and they have guys that come off the bench that people other teams would like Um, but something just wasn't right about that situation and so it's going to be tough to figure out which coach is best suited for that because you would think on paper it'd be somebody like Doc Rivers who could handle all the egos. Well
1: Greg uh I think it's probably time for us to get into recruiting. This is a recruiting uh, recon segment, uh, so I'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't spend the majority of the time talking about recruiting. You were out in Elkhorn Friday night, correct, watching uh, Husker commit Teddy Prohoshka and the, uh, the Elkhorn South Storm?
4: Yeah, uh, Papillion. The game was in Papillion. Yeah, I was out watching uh, Teddy and then they took off Papillion with us to South and, and Teddy helped lead his team uh, to a big victory in that one, behind the run game, as, as you kind of would expect when you have a four-star offensive line commit on your team and you have some other really talented football players um, on that line as well. They just basically lined up um, and ran the ball all night. I believe they I think I charted it correctly. They threw the ball six times in the entire game um, and, and Papillion really had a tough time slowing them down uh, in that football game.
1: Now Teddy Prahoshka's size is impressive, but when you see him on the field is it is it as impressive as the, the numbers would indicate? I mean, six foot nine, that's ridiculous.
4: Yeah, so it's interesting with him is that it's impressive, but it's actually impressive to me, like how well he moves. Like you, and, and when you look at him, he's obviously a physically imposing kid um, that only gets bigger. Like I always make the joke that it, it feels like every time I see him, he's put on more muscle um, because his frame just can hold it. He reminds me a little bit of how Bryce Benhart is on the, currently on Huskers, where you can just keep adding good weight to him because he has the frame to support it, and they're both similar sized kids. Um, but the thing about Teddy, to me as well, is that he moves so well. They run a couple of plays, uh, specifically that Nebraska also kind of runs to, where they have him, he's at left tackle, and then he um, pulls on the line. And he moves so quickly, laterally, to then pull through the hole and get in front of a running back to be able to clear the way. It's really impressive to see. So his combination of his size, strength, and agility, I think is what makes him really interesting. Like most high school offensive linemen, um, he'll continue to refine technique, and that's what Greg Austin will be there for um, but once he puts it all together I think the Husker could have a really special player
1: Greg Smith recruiting insider for Hale Varsity is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and and Greg uh, a decent number of local talent uh, picked up walk-on offers last week Uh, who are the big names that picked up walk-on offers and and who do you think Nebraska is really pushing for to get in that walk-on class for 2021
4: yeah, I think the, the biggest name I thought from over the weekend, because there was probably a handful of these offers that went out, was Aiden Young, um, kind of a do-it-all offensive and defensive player uh, for Elkhorn High School. Um, he's a quick kid, uh, really good in space. Um, I talked to him over the weekend. Nebraska's looking at him as more of that duck-ar position um, to be a walk-on. And I think that you're going to continue to see uh, more and more of those offers go out, because this is typically the time of year when you feel, where you see that it, everything just kind of feels a little bit off where if you're thinking about, well, is this normally the time of year where you see blank um, and it doesn't feel that way just because of how weird everything has been, but this is that time where you end up seeing those walk-on offers primarily because we're you know a handful of games into the season. Guys can get film out. Now coaches are obviously not allowed to go out on the road and see them in person, so we are missing that piece of it, but coaches are able to evaluate that film. So we're, we're going to continue to see more and more of those offers go out, but I'll be curious to see how Nebraska can finish off the class because usually or kind of get the walk-on class rolling because usually what happens is they have that big homegrown Huskers event um, sometime during the season as well where they can get the recruits and their families on campus they have a big presentation um, and they have other like either walk-ons that are currently on the team or former walk-ons come back and kind of give a a presentation about what that was like and it's always very very impactful and Nebraska always gets walk-on commitments out of that presentation so without that uh, I'll be curious to see what they're able to put together to kind of simulate that
1: Yeah, and with the talent in Nebraska as it is Right now, Uh, you got to think that the walk-ons are going to be important, and Husker fans always love the good walk-on success story, so that'll be fun to track as this football season goes on. But also, local kids uh, getting offers elsewhere. I know James Carney picked up an offer from Pitt over the weekend, uh, as did Mike O'Reilly. You want to tell us a little bit about those two?
4: Yeah, so James Carney picked up, like you said, that offer from Pitt, um, another Power 5 offer from him. Um, and, and he's continuing to be a hot prospect as teams get, that, get his film out. And I know he's continued to every game he puts out, um, his huddle film to show what he's doing. And he's having a really nice season. Um, so far. And Michael Riley is a 2022 uh, tight end out of Bellevue West, who it feels like every day is picking up an offer. I know he's picked up Auburn recently um, and a few others. And he's got offers now from coast to coast. Um, and he's content to kind of take his time with, with his uh, recruitments. He's got time yet. But he also kind of blew up during COVID and everything that's been happening with quarantine. So he hasn't been able to get out and see any of these schools in person um, that he's been getting these offers from. And they're, you know, like I said, from down south and auburn um, out west arizona state you know obviously a bunch of big 10 offers so he needs to be able to get out there and see um, some of these schools in person before he can really start evaluating uh, the list of suitors that he has built it up
1: yeah that 2022 class uh, seems like a long ways away but husker's already working to get it filled out i know you talked last week uh, with a 2022 running back out of i believe Pennsylvania. That's nicholas singleton can you tell us a little bit about him
4: yeah, so Nicholas is a really talented uh prospect. He had thirty eight touchdowns um during his sophomore year of high school um and well over a thousand yards and he's a kid that Nebraska got in on and, and this is probably the best time, um, even though it would have been nice to be a little bit earlier, is that you know, he's got offers already um from Penn State, Ohio State, Notre Dame, I think Florida's on his list. So, yeah, he's a national recruit, a four star level kid um that it feels like could end up being someone that's in the Big Ten one way or the other, whether it's it's Nebraska, Penn State, Ohio State, Nebraska trying to make up some ground here. Um, but the whole key with him, like it's going to start to be a broken record with the 2022 group is we've gone so long now in the extended dead period without those kids also being able to get on campus. So you end up playing a little bit behind the eight ball with kids that aren't really local, that have not been to your campus yet. Because one of the things that gets kind of overlooked in us talking about losing the 2021 official visits, there's a lot of those 2022 kids take those unofficial visits to game days as well right and so if you think about a number of kids that have committed to nebraska recently they started visiting nebraska as sophomores and juniors um and so nebraska losing out on that so i think that nebraska will have to make up ground there but as long as they at some point can get kids on campus they'll be okay
1: great we got about a minute left maybe time for one or two last thoughts uh really quick how did thomas fedoni do in his game last friday night
4: Uh, He had another two touchdowns um, in the game and over 100 yards. I don't remember the exact amount of catches, um, but they got another win. They're now the number one team, um, and I think it's the Class 3A in Iowa. They're undefeated. Um, I'll be back out there again with them this week on Friday.
1: All right, Greg, uh, it's felt like a while since the Huskers have gotten a commit. Uh, to a little two-part question here really fast. Has that been affected by this extension of the recruiting dead period? And then, B, who do you think could be on the horizon for the Huskers?
4: No, I don't necessarily think it's, well, it, it, I don't think it's totally uh, because of the extension of the dead period. I think that Nebraska's waiting on um, some specific kids and none of them are really in the area. Um, and so they're having to continue to chop wood and do work and get those kids really interested without having that visit um, as, as the final thing. So I do think it's a little bit tied uh, to the extended dead period. Um, and, and I think that uh, at Tia Savella, um, Vegas uh, defensive lineman out there, four-star kid, the kid that Nebraska really likes a lot. Um, And then there's a number of other defenders that the Huskers are kind of chasing at this point.
1: There he was, Greg Smith, recruiting insider for Hale Varsity Magazine. Greg, it was good getting caught up with you, and uh, good luck to your Lakers this week.
4: Hey, appreciate it, man.
1: Yep, have a good one. Coming up, a lot to get into still. Alex Gordon, his last game with the Royals was yesterday. We'll get into that. That's up next on Hale Varsity Radio. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in alongside Will Wilson as Chris spends some time with his family today. Uh, you just heard from Greg Smith, Hail Varsity recruiting insider. That will be up on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter page after the show. Reminder, you can find us and follow us on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln is where you can find the interviews uh, as well as some uh, relevant little quotes that we'll pull and post on SoundCloud after the show from our interviews. You can also follow at Hale Varsity for all the uh, up-to-date Husker news. And for Will and I, you can follow Will on Twitter at Willie on the radio. Did I get that right? That's right, Mitch, making sure I had to make sure <laughs> <laughs> couldn't uh, couldn't give him a, a fake Twitter name that'd just be awful and I'm you gotta get those followers up, you know that's right. uh, you can also find me and follow me on Twitter at herbal essences um but it's a sad day today. All right. More specifically, yesterday, because Husker legend Alex Gordon has retired from the game of baseball after, uh, I believe, a 13-year se- career with the Kansas City Royals. Will he's our resident Royals fan here, uh, so I'm gonna be going to him here in a second. But let's let's just go through the career statistics for Alex Gordon, a three-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glove winner, as well as a Platinum Glove winner and a 2015 World Series champion. That's right. Uh, I mean, Husker legend as well. You look at his 355 batting average during his time at Nebraska, also hitting uh, 44 home runs, 189 RBIs, 53 doubles, and scoring 188 runs.
2: Yeah, that's how you tear it up in college. In three sure. years. Three years at
1: Nebraska. Declared after his junior season. Incredible.
2: And, that, and that's why you don't even need to be, you know, that's why a lot of Royals fans don't, you know, they don't even like the Royals, but you like Alex Gordon because he's from Lincoln. He tore it up here. Just, you know, everyone's been saying, just a boy from Lincoln. And, yeah, yeah.
1: And when the Royals had that, that three year run, uh, I mean, all postseason, the Rockies are terrible. They've been terrible for the past decade. So as soon as postseason baseball came around, it was always, I'm a Royals fan. <laughs> I'm a Royals fan cuz I don't even like Kansas City sports but man do I love Alex Gordon. He's also a South or a proud Southeast alumni. That's right. Uh and have you seen his high school stats? No. During I've, his time at Southeast? I haven't seen his high school stats. He was a career 483 hitter in high school. Oh my god. Across 4 years. That's including his like freshman and sophomore seasons when he's going up against kids that are 18 years old and he's 15 or 14 a career 483 hitter That's ungodly. with 25 home runs and 112 RBIs. I love it. That's amazing. It's amazing. Alex Gordon is incredible. The uh, Kansas City Royals released uh, a tribute video yesterday. I-, I think we have time to, to play it in its entirety because it's pretty good.
5: Alex Gordon was born for this. Looking back now, it's as clear as a crisp Nebraska morning. As clear as the imprint of a bat across his back. Raised in a hardworking Midwestern family with a love of Royals baseball, his parents taught him that when you combine God-given talent with an unbreakable will, anything is possible. If his legend was built in Kansas City, that foundation was laid on the ball fields of Lincoln. A local kid with a rocket arm and a sweet swing. By the time he made it to the big leagues, Royals fans already knew he was one of their own For all of his on-field skills, his ability to persevere in the face of adversity may be his greatest strength. Lesser men would have folded under the pressure, crumbled from the expectations. Alex Gordon didn't either. He retooled, rededicated, and simply put, became one of the most dominant left fielders in Major League
2: Baseball.
5: Gordon has done it all for this game. Alex has crashed into walls for this game. Left in the stands for this way. game. What? Come no rain way. or come shine. In sickness he injured himself, and in he health. On it. I mean, he barreled. Need a helping hand? He's got your back. Need a clutch hit? Here's Alex Gordon, 0 for two of the walk. Well, been there, done that. Gordon in
0: the, air, the, center. Back at the-
5: So, what does it mean to leave a legacy that not only be remembered, but emulated? For Alex Gordon, it means that actions speak louder than words and that flags fly forever. That he's not just an example to be followed, but the standard moving forward. For his legacy is measured in gold, platinum, grass stains, and postseason glory. Because Alex Gordon was born for this. He was raised royal, will
1: always be royal, He's forever, Roy. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, does that home run in Game 1 of the World Series, it still gives me chills, and I'm not even a Royals fan. It was amazing. So I remember watching it, especially after the disappointment against the Giants the year before, um, yeah. really fast. On the Alex Gordon triple in Game 7, do you think they should have sent him home? Should they have let him try to get the inside-the-park home run in the was the bottom of the ninth of Game 7 of the World Series?
2: Yes, you send him home, of course. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, that's. Listen. Think about the guy's legacy if he would have scored an inside the park home run in game seven of the World Series and come it. back a year later and hit the tying home run in game one. It would have been amazing. Off one of the best closers in baseball that year.
2: Yeah, yeah hypothetically, that would have been great. You know, what I think about is, you know, Lincoln, we haven't had too many uh, popular people come out of here. You know, Gordo, definitely. You know, a few other good athletes, of course. This is a place you could do it. Alex Gordon, example right there. You want to you know be the best cornhole person in the world and do it. You could do
1: it. If, if you want to be the best sports radio personality in the world, uh, you can, can do it out of Lincoln. You just have to go to Lincoln Southeast High School, at least according to Gordon. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but Alex Gordon's uh, legacy will forever be enshrined at the uh, in the clubhouse at Kaufman. They got the four as well as the point of him going around uh, first base after that home run, enshrined above his locker. So for every future Royal, yeah, that that is that is playing that locker room, they'll forever know that was Alex Gordon's locker. People forget, too, like, Royals, they always had the Husker Day
2: at the K. Mm-hmm. Forget what year it was, but one day, at uh, one game, at Husker Day at the K, Gordo, he had a walk-off home run during Husker Day. All the Husker fans there, it was great. I, I remember that. That was one of my greatest memories. I mean, I, for for f- Gordo.
1: He'll forever be, I mean... If not one of the most iconic Husker baseball players of all time, the most iconic Husker baseball player of all time with that thirteen-year career—that's amazing. I mean, he got drafted second overall, and the whole thought was this guy's the next George Brett. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what I, shoes he had to fill
2: next to—I mean, next to George Brett, he is you know probably next on the list. Honestly,
1: I mean, this—it's because it's of the longevity of his career there. I mean, having a career play, or, uh, spending your entire career with one team in baseball anymore—that never happens. Kind of insane to think, though. I mean, he, he grew up a Royals fan, and he was never going to leave the Royals. If we're honest, no, 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 no. He was either going to retire
2: or stay with us. And it kind of sucks that he didn't get you know the the official you know fan farewell. They're going to bring him back for a game, of course. He, he deserved that, but yeah, it was real. I like how Matheny handled it. He let him off at the beginning of the game, and then he started him out in left field, and then he took him out during mm-hmm. the game, and everyone gave him applause. It was great.
1: Now also a, a changing of the guard for Royals fans. Alex Gordon's leaving left, but look who's look who's coming over to fill his plate. Uh, his uh, his shoes, Whit Merrifield.
2: Yep, yep. No, oh, trust me. No, I've said I think Merrifield's one of the best baseball players in the MLB right now. But we gotta we gotta
1: keep him here. Yeah. But all the best to Alex Gordon as he now rides off into the sunset after this incredible career with the Royals. Uh, it was it was fun to watch as a Husker fan. Alex Gordon kind of living every kid's dream and. uh you know that chapter's over in his life and uh man what a what a chapter it was alex gordon retiring after 13 years we'll wrap up hour one after this it's hal varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery
0: chime in 402 466-ESPN or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com.
1: Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. We're rolling through a Monday here on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You just heard the numbers there if you do want to call the show. Feel free. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 402-466-3776 or one 800 825 Five eight six five. We know got a lot of Chiefs fans out there. We're going to be getting into that game a little bit next hour. Uh, we also got some uh, some thoughts on the other NFL games yesterday, including. Uh just the the unfortunate season this has been for the Broncos. Rex Burkhead's three-touchdown day. That's all coming up next hour. As well as Charlie McBride coming up at about 5.05. Excited to talk with him, uh, especially after the results of the weekend. See what he thought of uh, our adoptive team, Mississippi State, getting the upset win over LSU. You're not going to want to miss any of that next hour. should be fun. Um, but before we get into that, just got to remind you that – one out of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed or high is never acceptable. And law enforcement officers are working around the clock to stop it with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as a driver, make the correct choice of a non-alcoholic drink or have a pre-selected designated driver, be smart and start the conversation. Who's driving home a message brought to you by the Nebraska department of transportation, highway safety office. Will, before we wrap up this hour, we got about two minutes here. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any UFC on uh, Saturday night? And I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's it's not the big market sport out there. Uh, but I enjoyed watching UFC. I just want to know if, if if you're a fan like me.
2: I did not. I did not watch any of it. The only thing I saw was uh, the, some dude humping another dude uh, at the end.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's Israel Adesanya. Mm-hmm. He took down Paulo Costa last night to retain retain his middleweight division uh, championship belt. Uh, and the whole thought coming to that was Paulo Costa might be the best threat to uh, Adesanya in the division out of anyone, and uh, Adesanya took him out in two rounds. <laughs> yeah. And I lost 80 bucks sports betting, and man, I need to get out of that. Dan tweeted at me earlier this week and said that I have made a bad uh, business decision by beginning sports betting. But
2: What what, what, were, what were you betting on? Did you not think it was going to?
1: Uh, I had a, a bet going that Adesanya would win by decision. Okay. So that one went poorly for me. And then I also had a, uh, a small parlay, which was high money-making, that the underdog would win in the co-main event, which he did. Uh, okay. He's a Polish dude, and I can't for the life of me attempt to pronounce his name, and I'm not going to try to butcher it here. Uh, but then I also had, just, just in case it made me more money, uh, Apollo Costa getting the win, and he was never close. Mm. Israel Adesanya is the most dominant pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC right now. I, I didn't believe it going into this weekend, but I believe it now. Uh, but yeah, good little UFC event over the weekend. A lot yeah, of fun to watch.
2: I saw there's some stuff coming out too with uh, McGregor and uh, Dana White. They they were apparently having some DM exchanges. Yeah, for- and Dana White's all mad that Conor McGregor just went and aired
1: out their dirty laundry over
2: the DMs on Twitter. Yeah, not not a good idea. I mean, how how funny is it that McGregor wants to fight again? I mean, we all knew it was going to happen, but why does he have to retire every time he wants to get a big fight? Well, this time he's going back to boxing.
1: I heard that the whole plan and this is from CNN Philippines which I didn't know was a thing until I saw this report Uh, I guess I should have assumed they're the worldwide news network or whatever Uh, but he is going to be coming out of retirement and so is Manny Pacquiao as they want to they want to get about going which in the Middle East yeah which Manny Pacquiao passed his prime but He he needs money But Conor McGregor is also just not a boxer, and he put in a better performance against Floyd Mayweather than a lot of people expected him to. Yeah. A lot of people would indicate that he won the first couple rounds until Floyd really settled in and got a feel for it. So that could be a fun one. Again, coming up next hour, right after the break, uh, Mr. Blackshire himself, Charlie McBride, is going to be joining us. You're not going to want to miss it. You're listening to Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're back into Hour 2 on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson, attempting to track down Charlie McBride at the moment. Obviously a full day of, uh, of sports, or I guess I should say a full weekend of sports to get into. And, uh, and Charlie, I mean, with a full weekend of sports, what, what were you focused on watching? What, what was on your TV screen this weekend, or, or did you even watch the games this weekend? Charlie, Charlie, you got me? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? No. (laughs) No. You do now. You do now. That's good to hear. I was was just asking you about the full weekend of college football, NFL. I mean, what a weekend it was. And I was mentioning the first hour how that college football Saturday just reminded me of the joy and excitement of college football, which I'd been missing for a while. It's just not the same as the NFL. So I was asking uh, which games you had on this weekend.
3: Well, I... uh, I just kept turning it back and forth because I was working. I was building a fence, and I came in and out, and and that and uh, I don't even remember. I I watched uh, LSU a little bit, mm. and that was a disaster. I mean, they got 600 yards put on them throwing the ball, and that's not good. And I've been there before, so I know how their fans are feeling today. And Oklahoma, I watched probably the most. Oklahoma, Kansas State. I mean,
1: you you picked the two best games, but building that fence, uh, I'm assuming the weather was pretty decent out in Michigan this weekend. Then I mean, it it was a warm one on Saturday here in Nebraska, but it's been feeling like fall ever since.
3: Well, it was it wasn't that it wasn't that hot, but it was really beautiful. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this weekend and you know, after Labor Day, we don't have a lot of traffic around here. I mean, you know, most of the people, a lot of people have their boats and stuff in and their docks and so it's getting kind of, you know, um, thin. So it's really really nice.
1: Well, you mentioned the LSU game. And, uh, and 600 yards passing from K.J. Costell, he set an SEC record, which is incredible. Um, when you look at Bo Pelini in his first game as D coordinator, how tough is it to come into just a new system like that, new players that you've never played with before and, and coached before, and, and try to turn around and, and make them successful?
3: Well, that's the hard part. You know, you, you don't know if you got the right guy, the, the players in the right places, and uh, from what I could tell, they got some inex- inexperience in the secondary, and that, that's other. Other than that, they're really good, I think. But you know, they that you know, it's just one of those te- seasons. Enough of the really, really good players are gone, and uh, you know, they're not. I don't think they're as good physically either side of the ball as they've been in the past. But uh, you know, they. they they aren't too bad on, you know, defensively, they've been pretty good. You know, Kevin's done a heck of a job down there. And, uh, you know, so, uh, Kevin Steele, who um was on our staff at one time, is, is the defensive coordinator, you know, down at Auburn and I've seen them play, but, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, I just, it, it's hard when you're a new coach, you got new players, you don't know them. That, that's the, that's the problem. I didn't have that problem because I wasn't the coordinator. But, um, you know, you get, you just learning your own players. You, you're still going into the first game, you really don't know who for sure. You know, you have a good idea, but you don't know for sure who your guys are. In my first year, we actually rotated every uh, first team and second team just. Well, I didn't know, who, I didn't care who was on the first or second team because you're going to just rotate every two series. So it, it was pretty easy then. I didn't have the numbers either, but um, I had all, all of them were good players. You know, I mean, they were really good players. I think out of about eight guys, six played in the NFL.
1: Now, Coach, I, I want to defer to your expertise here. Whenever you're coming into a week against uh you know a, a offensive system like Mike Leach has with the air raid, where they're going to come in and run the ball four times and throw it every other down, what can you do as a as a you know as a as a play caller to try to, to try to limit that damage?
3: Well, one thing is just fundamentally, I think you, every play is, you, you, you you try to doctrinate them into playing like every plays a pass and you play the run on the way to the quarterback. you know what I'm, I'm saying you learn you learn the blocking schemes you have to know them really, really fast. A lot of times it's footwork that tells you right off the bat what kind of footwork they have. Uh, you know where it, you, there's just certain things you know you can key on and then there's certain players you can key on but when you don't have film before it you can't tell some guys give the pass away. You know, with the way they set up and, and things like that, you know, just getting their stance, you can tell if they're going to pass, block, or run, or what. But so if you can pick one of those guys out, then sometimes you, you know, you can you can tell uh, a little bit. You know, you you have to guess some, but and then the other thing, you know, you worry about the first games in which there were a bunch of penalties. You know, a lot of five yard penalties, you know, illegal procedure, offside, you know, all kinds of little bad things you don't like. And that happens, that happened to everybody. I mean, all the games I was watching, there were quite a few penalties in it. And uh, that, those are things you got to clean up.
1: Coach Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, I want to ask you on, on one more thing about this LSU-Mississippi State game, and, and that's LSU's coming off a national title last year. And I know you got some, some experience with that. Um, so how do you avoid just the, the championship hangover? Like, it, Are teams less motivated the year after they win a championship? Uh, that, that was kind of what I was hearing uh, this weekend.
3: I, I think, you know, we we had so many guys coming back on that second one that they just continued through it. And, uh, in fact, you know, they, they really, they, I they was, uh, you know, we very well could have done it in, in 96 too, but, you know, we just, we, that was our year to kind of regroup and come back, you know, in 96. But uh, when you have them back-to-back, you, we had enough leadership on the team where they kept it going because, you know, I think I, I can't remember exactly, but uh, you know, I think the, the, the uh, slogan that the players had was business as usual. Uh, you know, and that, that was kind of the, you know, the one when we beat Oklahoma or beat uh, Miami, I think the year that year we had, it was unfinished business. And, and then after we won it, then the next one was business as usual when we won a 95 and, and I think a lot of that stuff just carries on to the players. They, they see, they can do it again. And they did. And, um, you know, and, and we, you know, 96 was just a kind of a, a year where maybe we swallowed too much. You know what I'm saying? Like a little bit like happening this year to some teams that won championships or, you know, were close. And, um, you know, there, we just didn't play as well, and, and overall, I thought we played pretty good, but not good enough to win the national championship. Uh, you know, we were, you know, we were up there in the polls pretty good, but in '97, of course, we had a good team, and '99 we might have had the best defensive team we've had. In, you know, I mean, overall, uh, and it wasn't maybe the one with the best players necessarily, but it was one that was the best team defensively I mean one of the best teams
2: hey Charlie down at uh, Tavern on the Square a bar down in the Haymarket, they've been airing a lot of old uh, 97 games and they showed uh, the Missouri game and you know obviously we all remember the Missouri game the catch by Davison and you know looking at that season Missouri they they, they kind of played you guys close why was that why did they give you guys the most oh, uh, battle that? Missouri Missouri oh,
3: 97 uh, hey. They always, I mean, they got us up there one day with with uh, oh James Wilder. And he just ripped us apart. I mean, he was a man. I mean, it, you know, and they were always tough. I mean, Missouri was physical. You know, they they were a really really physical team, man. You know, they just kind of fo- not folded, but kind of just you know kind of had just one. They started changing coaches. You know, and then when they when that started, then it just kind of went downhill. And you know, uh, Warren didn't have a, a great time there. I mean, he did he did well, but they just couldn't get over the hump. You know, kind of, and they've been kind of that way since. And then now, when they change conferences, they probably change conferences into a harder conference by far than it would it, it, it would have. You know, it, it was. Then, because you got more teams you have to worry about when when we were in the big eight you know you had seven teams you had to play and um uh, then you know now you know like even in the big 10 southeast conference you know you're you're playing more more teams and the recruiting's much better because they've loosened up on the rules so you're kind of free to do a lot of things that you you know, as far as traveling and all kinds of different things that we didn't, we weren't able to do. And I don't, I think the recruiting is because of the rule changes, making it more lenient on a lot of things for the coaches and players. That it's, uh, you know, the recruiting has gotten a little more competitive. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of it, it, it's six one half dozen to the other. But we didn't have that luxury. We were, we were. Studying and back here working on football, probably a little bit more than they are now, um, you know, because now they're out recruiting, which which is good. I mean, you know, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that, but every chance you get, you're going to have whatever number of players is allowed on the road, they're going to be out.
1: Coach, you look at the Big 12 now, and I mean, in that Texas Texas Tech game on Saturday, you had 109 total points. Um. Yeah. Just, how how different is the big? T- I mean, could you imagine having a hundred and nine points scored in a game whenever you were playing in the Big Ten or Big Twelve?
3: That's that's what you call basketball on grass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, it it the offenses are just they're the kids. Uh, you're getting these skills. You know, if, if you look at a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, before you, well, that player's too small. Or he, he, you know, now you're getting those smaller guys, and they're, you know, they're playing special teams, and they're playing, you know, in the secondary, and they're playing, um, uh, you know, wide receivers, and stuff like that. They're, they you know, where before, you know, I remember I way back when I know when Frank Frank was playing, he was a he was a fullback. Well, he was really the eye back because the two. They ran a T formation and two backs on either side of them were 230 pounds. <laughs> you know, they were the blocking backs for them, and you know that, that those days are kind of gone forever. You know, you still have kids like Burkhead and some of those tough guys that you know are around, and and um, you know it, it gets you know it gets uh, it gets a little tougher as as. Uh, for a big guy in the backfield, if you you know, in college, a lot of them don't have, you know, they don't, they line up without a tight end. Some some schools, they're spread formations. And, uh, you know, some schools don't even have a tight end. Um, they have a specialist that's a tight end that goes in there in short yardage and stuff like that. That's how much the passing game has come on and, and you know, kind of taken over. And I think the teams that, the teams that win and you know you can go back and yeah I still think that you know in college football it's still got to be the running game and play action passes and things like that because you know and in pro ball they just throw it all over even if it's snow and 10 feet of snow they still keep throwing it but I think in college you, you don't have the time you don't have the things to do so you've got to really work into running game and and the weather's got to be, if you can run the football, the weather doesn't make much difference. You know, so it's really important that you have a good running team. the teams that usually don't in the, you know, have have that, uh, <laughs> the teams that throw the ball so much are usually in the south, you know, because they don't have snow and stuff like that. They have rain, but, of course, they don't have the kind of snow and things like that. You, you're pretty tough, you know, throwing the football every play. So, uh, it, you know, I, I just think right now, you know, with the way things are, I think, you know, you just got to just, you know, you, the guys are still the same problem. The Air Force, Academy, well, I don't know about Air Force because I haven't seen them play, but the, both the academies are still running option football, uh, Army, Navy. And to get ready to play those guys is the pain in the rear end. And, of course, Georgia Tech used to be that way, but now they got a new coach and they've changed a little bit but to get ready to play it for a triple what you want to call a triple option team that's that's tough i mean you know unless you practice it all the time which we did but is you know some of our some of our teams still played it but we practiced it no matter if the team was we had a 10 minute period where we worked on option football and every day so it wasn't like a big surprise when we had to go play or something came up in a game we were able to play it
1: Coach Charlie McBride's with us on Hail Varsity Radio, and, and Coach, we got about thirty seconds left, so probably last thought. Uh, but just piggybacking off that, which offense do you prefer watching? It's just a personal question, no right or wrong answers. But I, I know the offense or the the option offense was so prevalent whenever you were coaching. Now you see so much air raid and throwing the ball. Which do you think is more fun to watch?
3: What do you mean? What t- style of football? Yeah, what style? All uh, right, I still go back to the running game because there's so much t- t- to it. Uh, the pass game guys are just setting in pass blocking, and the running game is fun to watch because they have different blocking schemes. They, you know, and to see how they're running the plays, you know, because it's the 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 replay value is a valuable thing for you know somebody like me, you know, where I like to see what for sure I could say well that I think he did this, and then you see it so. But I still like the running game and, the and you know, with the passing, you know, with the play-action stuff in it. Uh, I think when you, you get put to sleep, I think a lot of times with just one at one or, the, you know, just throwing the ball every every play. And, and I think if you were running back on those kind of teams, it'd be kind of, I don't know, disheartening, I guess you want to call it. You know, and then you probably have two or three of them, so you got to get them all some time and doesn't work that way for, you know, usually You usually have trouble to, with it there. So, so it's better off, I think, where you can run the football and throw it to, and, you know, now with the running quarterback, you know, which we had, um, they, you know, they got better as time went on, but, you know, that, I think that's exciting too. Yeah. They put a little bit of option in there. Or they put a lot of quarterback draws and so forth.
1: Charlie, good getting caught up with you. We'll talk next week. All right. Huh? Good, getting good, getting caught up with you. We'll talk next week.
3: Okay, good. I don't know it, if it's if it's, if it's if the weather's like this. Maybe I'll be skiing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's water skiing, not snow skiing. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Yep. Thank we'll you, coach. Next okay. Bye now. Bye.
0: Miss us?
1: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. We're going in for the
0: real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Settle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
1: Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson filling in for Schmidt today on Hail Varsity Radio. Just kind of recapping a big weekend in sports and. Man, when was the last time we had just a, a full weekend of sports like this? I mean, of course, a couple weeks in uh, the past couple weeks you've had yeah. sort of college football as well as the NFL. But, I mean, this weekend you had Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, play to NFL, conference matchups in the Big 12 and SEC and ACC. Uh, so I was just a kid in a candy store and – the cherry on top was UFC 253 on Saturday night. Yeah, you watched that. I didn't get to watch
2: that. But, man, yeah, these last few weeks have just been been great. And we will be uh, just getting done and, uh, and on to the postseason for that. So. Yeah, I probably spent a full 12 hours this weekend just watching sports. So. so why not, right? It was beautiful. With the fall weather. Yeah, it's just awesome.
1: I mean, I got to get out and enjoy the weather while it's like this and not 35 degrees
2: and whatever. But Well, uh, you're going to have to get your ankle fixed up. uh
1: you could play some basketball again. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know you probably weren't listening Friday afternoon, but I texted you and informed you, Schmitty, what he wants to do for that basketball game between uh, you and me and uh, Nick Gregath and Bill Hooks. They they challenged us via Twitter. Yes, they, they put did. a hundred dollars on it, yeah. and I think we're willing to match hundred dollars. Are we? Yeah,
2: I can. And we better not lose because I don't want to lose fifty bucks,
1: Elijah. Oh, oh, we're not gonna lose. All right. Especially when you hear somebody's playing. He wants to go get it set up down in the rail yard. He'll commentate. And I'm cool with that. That is golden. He said we we, we can live stream it on the the ESPN Twitter account. He said he'll even record it, and you guys can play it in your morning show. Yeah, I love that. If you want. I love that idea. He's got a few more ideas. Okay. One of those is after every single basket that gets scored against you, one player on the team has to take a shot. Oof. If we're doing it in the rail yard... So, I mean, the thing is, is if, if they put up 15 on us and it's seven threes and one two, that's only eight shots. That's four, that's four between us. Here's the deal.
2: Do you know how much these guys could drink? Hooksy and Nick? Probably more than us. They're they're 40-year-old men, all right? And they're both in beer league softball. Exactly. They know, they could drink a lot more than us.
1: And, and they're, they're used to, to drinking a lot and playing sports at the same time. I'll think about that idea. But also, we got to trust our 21-year-old our, our livers here. But
2: I... The other thing I'm thinking about here is the fact that they're 40-year-old men. They're going to go so try-hard. Yeah, that does scare me. I'm going to have to put on the ankle braces. Nick's probably going to get mad at me. I don't know if he's 40. I think he's like 35. I'm I'm rounding up on that. Okay. (laughs) He's he's married with two kids. It's pretty much 40. You got to get your ankle ready, and then we'll play those guys.
1: I, I I think we can beat him, though. We have to bring our game. Yeah, we're not losing. Yeah, the problem with with the whole shots idea is I just know my three point shots going going down the tube if I if I start drinking. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking too. And and that's that's what our game is relying on. Definitely some shots after though. Yeah, we'll 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 rock with that. Okay, we've we spent too much time talking about this. Not enough time talking about NFL because uh, what a day for Rex Burkhead yesterday. Three yeah. touchdowns. Uh, including one where he just jumped over a defender. I think we got that one loaded up. But, I mean, 34.8 fantasy points if you have standard scoring. And uh, let, let's just take a listen to those three touchdowns. Here's the first one an 11-yard reception.
5: 42 seconds to go. One timeout left for New England. Burkett at the left of Newton with Edelman to motion into the backfield. Play fake to Edelman. And a screen wide for Burkett. He cuts it to the 10, and it eludes the defender to the 5. Oh. Burkett goes airborne, Bolting to the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots!
1: Let's be a 98.5, the hub, Patriots Radio Network. Uh, that was his first touchdown of the day, which was sweet enough already. Here's his second. Maybe.
4: This was a. The Patriots quick
1: snap it with a carry up the middle in for
5: a touchdown. New England adding to its lead. And the Patriots expanding the advantage
1: over the Raiders. That was a two-yard rushing touchdown there from Rex Burkhead. And the third one, I believe, was an eight-yard rushing touchdown? Uh, five. Five-yard rushing touchdown from Rex Burkhead. This is his third touchdown of the day.
5: It, Newton waits for Zuber to get set in the left slot. Bird up on the line, left. Edelman on the right wing. Burkhead behind Newton. Takes the handoff, runs it left. Burkhead, nice. Listed into the end zone with a diving touchdown for the Patriots. Burkhead, for the second time today, leaves his feet. That's to the New England lead. Nice job, Rex. That's the healthy Rex Burkhead right there. When he's healthy and he can play like that, he's
1: so dimensional Yes, he's in. Ball clears the goal line. And, I mean, he, he said it himself. Nice job, Rex. Yeah. That's what Rex has always been doing. He's a guy that just, he goes in, you know what you're going to get from him. Uh, it's awesome to see Rex Burkhead get three touchdowns. And, and in an offense that's traditionally running back by committee with the Patriots, I wonder if this performance from Rex Burkhead kind of elevates him. He, he seems to be playing really well next to Cam Newton. Uh, he's awesome in pass protection, which I know Cam Newton loves. And then uh, down the goal line, he's a threat, and, and Cam Newton seems to be finding him. Yeah, I can see them using Rex a lot more uh, the
2: next few weeks. And what's even funnier is Sonny Michel. He also had like 116 yards. So they, he wasn't the only running back that was getting it done. Sony Michel was too. So I, they are heavy running, man. And uh, yeah, I think uh, and it's kind of funny how we just have these games out of Rex. You know, every so often you just see it, Twitter talking about Rex. You know, it's
1: awesome. Rex, he's still got it, man. It just it doesn't feel like he's been aging in the NFL. No, it's it's it just been consistency every single year, and he, he's still uh, he's still on the waiver wire right now in my fantasy league. I got to think about picking him up now. Interesting. The, the problem is, 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 I'm not. I mean, 34 points out of Rex Burkhead in, in fantasy. I'm not sure that's a, attainable. And any other week this season. Three touchdowns is kind of ridiculous.
2: Yeah, that's not going to happen every time.
1: No way. So, I, I, I don't know. I'm uncertain if I should pick him up, especially because with the league in Lincoln-Nebraska, you know that the that there's going to be other people putting in waiver orders, too, for him. Yeah, that definitely. Him.
2: You know how we are. You know how Husker fans are.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the game you saw on uh, Fox at 325 yesterday was between my Denver Broncos and the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what an awful game that was from Denver! Just a horrible game to watch, and that's coming from a Broncos fan. I'm sure if you're a neutral out there and, and you had that game on, uh, you just hated it. It was awful to see the Broncos fall to zero and three. Yeah, my my idiot self uh, picked the
2: Broncos to cover because I thought Brady wasn't going to do well in Denver, but that was obviously
1: wrong. Uh, he's had difficulty at altitude, but that Denver defense is not what it used to be. Yeah, without Von Miller, too, it that hurts. And-, and then Jarrell Casey today announced will be out for the season. He tore his bicep. Oof. So Jarrell Casey now out for the year. Uh, a hobbled Bradley Chubb. A.J. Boye's uh, been sidelined with a shoulder injury. Uh, it's not looking good for Denver. And, in fact, uh, odds came out today for the first overall pick in uh, the 2021 NFL draft, uh, who everyone kind of assumes is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And right now, the Broncos have the top odds in the NFL at 17.7% chance to get the top pick. But you definitely trade that. I don't know. You just drafted Drew Locke.
2: But Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. I get it, but who are you going to, I mean, who are you going to, like, you know,
1: who are you going to lock to? This is the same argument from the Broncos fans back whenever Peyton Manning was available at free agency you got well, Tom, or, uh, well Tim Tebow just led the Broncos to the playoffs why would you go and go get Peyton Manning and, and look the Broncos got a Super Bowl out of it they got two Super Bowl appearances out of it it worked out well for the Broncos and I, I think it. the lesson is just you go and you get the top available player no matter what your roster looks like the Patriots have been great at doing that for years
2: I agree I agree. And I don't, I, trust me, I don't like Drew Locke. I think I would much rather have
1: Lawrence. And I'm, I'm a Drew Locke believer. But, I mean, I, I definitely don't want the Broncos to get the top pick, but I wouldn't be mad about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, no, I don't think anybody would. I mean, when you look, at, take a look at the rest of the uh, the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, if you will. Uh, right now, the New York Giants have uh, the second best odds for the top pick. They're at 13.3%. Okay. Uh, the other New York team, the Jets, are at 12.7% for the top pick um interesting side note the Jets play the Broncos on Thursday night oh that's that's gonna be fun it's gonna be a stinker of a game well, eh actually it's gonna be fun because Bortles should play right I don't think so really I don't think so because he's not good they don't want him to play or he's hurt uh, I just don't think he's ready yet okay to come in and learn the offense and and Broncos had a little bit of hope at the end with uh, uh with who rippian Ritt Ripien, oh, he, he looked all right. He had one good drive for the Broncos, but who knows? Maybe the loser of that Thursday night game is going to be the team to win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. You also have the Washington football team, eight point three percent at the top uh, pick. Wow. The uh, Carolina Panthers at seven point seven percent chance for the top pick, uh, and then you have the Cincinnati Bengals at seven point six, and they wouldn't take Trevor Lawrence. No, uh, with their top pick, they're they're all in on Joe Burrow. Burrow's good too, man. Oh, oh yeah, He's- Joe Burrow's been been great. And that Eagles team, they haven't lived up to expectations, but I think everyone can tell just looking at the paper that they're a better team than Cincinnati yesterday. Oh man! And Cincinnati still found a way to get the tie. Should the Eagles be punting on right at the end of the game? Well, eh.
2: w- why why we're still tying in the NFL is beyond me. Like why that's still a thing?
1: And yeah, I'm with you. I, I see the argument, which is the NFL season's a grind, and you don't want to play any more quarters than you have to. But no one likes a tie. This isn't soccer. It's, it's useless useless. In hockey you go to a penalty shootout. How about in the NFL if you get to a certain amount of time in overtime you just go to the college system, you put the ball in the 25 and you alternate possessions. Yeah, I loved
2: it. I love it. Or just keep, I don't know, just do a limited time until someone scores.
1: I mean, anything will work. Anything is better than a tie. That, that's, I mean, it, it just looks so unsightly at the end of the season when you're looking at the records and see one team with a tie. Ugh. It's, it's ugly. <laughs> it is ugly. But uh, but at the, at the moment, right now, where would you like to see Trevor Lawrence playing football next season? Oh, man. That's tough. I mean, Denver's the top odds, and the Giants, who have Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, at quarterback. They seem to like him. For the yeah, Jets, but... they have Sam Darnold, who seems to have taken a big step back this year. I, I think they'd be happy with Trevor Lawrence. And then you have uh, Carolina. Who, uh, is, it's got to be Carolina. I mean, they have Teddy Bridgewater, but that's not the quarterback of their future. No, I don't no, think no, it's not. And then you also have the Washington football team, who has uh, Dwayne Haskins, Haskins, but he hasn't looked like their their savior either. I'd
2: say one of those two, Washington or Carolina. Definitely Carolina more, just because I want them to have a more franchise quarterback than Teddy.
1: How awesome would Christian McCaffrey next to Trevor Lawrence be for that Carolina offense? That's just got to be the dream for the Panthers. they would be they, awesome for sure. They're tanking for Lawrence. <laughs> We'll talk about the uh, the Chiefs Ravens game coming up on Monday Night Football tonight. That's coming up after the break. It's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson on Hail Varsity Radio. Pretty fun show today. I know a little bit lacking on some Husker news and notes. That's because we had a full weekend of sports uh, to get into today, and I've really enjoyed talking with Will about that. Damon Barr back in tomorrow producing the show. I'll be back in hosting for Schmitty, and we got some more Husker stuff to get into tomorrow. Mitch Sherman going to be with us tomorrow, as well as the producers for the Day-by-Day Day documentary. Excited to talk with them and uh, and get back into some Husker news for you. Husker full padded practices beginning this week, uh, and, you know, just just kind of getting back into the swing of fall camp should be a lot of fun. It's going to be exciting to hear uh, Scott Frost telling us how great all the practices were, and uh, I will just, you know, naturally hype myself up for the season way too much before uh, Ohio State week one, October 24th.
2: Down boy. Down boy. Don't do that to yourself, all right? <laughs> don't, don't tell yourself all the things you want to hear, and then, you know, be surprised when they don't happen. Let's try and be, you know, modest here. I am situation. still
1: hopeful for the year this year. I will say that. Um And I I was getting all the the memories today from one year ago from Nebraska-Ohio State game day. Uh, I went and camped out. Ever told you this story?
2: You went and actually camped out to get a spot? Yeah,
1: so uh, the night before, there was that Husker basketball introduction, Fred Hoiberg's kind of first night where they had the scrimmage. Rick Ross came and and performed a concert, and I was was working that uh, for my job with Husker Vision. And that finished up about uh, 10 p.m. And uh, I went directly down to college game day after that, And uh, did not sleep a wink that night. I was up all night waiting for college game day. I I got into the pit up front. I was on TV. Okay. um, And then college game day finished up, and it was right back over to Memorial Stadium, and I was working Husker Vision for the Ohio State game. So I went about, uh, I think I did the math. It was almost 48 hours without sleep, which is the longest I've ever gone. Um, Absolutely brutal day, but good day. Stands out in my memory, hoping that the next game Nebraska plays against Ohio State, we have a little bit better of a result. Uh, But, you know, all around good day and it was kind of fun to look back on that in the memories uh but today 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 not a year ago today 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 we have probably the most hyped early season nfl matchup that i have seen in a while and it's because it, it's the uh the chiefs and the ravens mm-hmm. chiefs come into this game as a three-point underdog it's the first time that they have been an underdog uh since patrick mahomes's first season with the chiefs back in 2018 um He has been an underdog in six total games in his career, which is ridiculous, only six. Uh, And in those, if you're uh, a betting man, uh, he is 5-0-1 against the spread. Five wins against the spread, no losses, and one push. Okay. So he comes in as a three-point underdog tonight. We'll see if if that record against the spread continues. In those games overall, he is four wins and two losses, but he has never lost against the spread while being an underdog. Interesting. And you know it's other... This, you know,
2: both these teams are uh, traditionally really good against the spread. I mean, Chiefs are ten and one against the spread in their last eleven. Ravens are eleven and two against the spread in their last thirteen.
1: And speaking of the last eleven for the Chiefs, those have all been wins. Mm-hmm. And they're ten and one. I believe the one loss yeah. was last week. Was it not against the Chargers? Um, I
2: believe yes. Yep, that was a, that was one of the losses. And you, speaking of which, you're saying that they' winning games. Yeah, it's been they've won thirteen straight in September. Uh huh.
1: So they're not losing in September. I mean, so- someone, someone's got to fail tonight, though. Uh, I don't know. The Ravens are th- are the biggest threat to the Chiefs. I'm not sure if we can say the- that the the Ravens have surpassed the Chiefs yet, just because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. But the Ravens have been on fire to start the season this year, um, and Patrick Mahomes just w- what can you say about him? I mean, he's amazing. He's really good. He is really good, but so is Lamar Jackson. So is Lamar Jackson, and that kind of brings me to the point I want to get into here, and that's Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Is this the beginning of a new type of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning rivalry? Because we remember that from, from the mid-2000s, mid to late 2000s, was that it was it was Brady and it was Manning, and he knew just about every single playoffs, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning would be facing off in the playoffs, and every single time that they played in the regular season, it was going to be just must-see TV it's going to be a monday night game or it's going to be a sunday night game right. and i think patrick mahomes and lamar jackson i mean they're the they're the future of the nfl at the moment and that's that's kind of what the take was on on brady and manning was they were they were the current of the nfl they're the two best quarterbacks sure and mahomes and jackson not only are they the future of the nfl they're also just the current of the nfl mm-hmm. yeah aside from russell wilson who's got a great argument as league mvp and best quarterback in the league right now it, it's mahomes and it's jackson
2: which is kind of depressing because Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind right now.
1: Yes, he deserves more respect than he's getting. He he really does. I mean, he
2: would I, people might put him but both those guys.
1: I wouldn't, but some might. It is a travesty that Russell Wilson has never received an MVP an MVP vote in his career. Wow. Not once. That's sad. This is the year that that should change based on how he's been starting the season and based on just that Seahawks offense. They're letting Russ cook. <laughs> and is he's cooking those defenses, I'll tell you that. Right. Um but it's besides him. It's Patrick Mahomes, and it's Lamar Jackson.
2: Yep, it is.
1: You know what you're going to get out of those two tonight. So that the, the yeah,
2: it's going to be really fun tonight.
1: The the storyline kind of becomes the the supporting cast with the Chiefs. I mean, they have their what is it? Legion of Zoom is what they call it. their receivers, and, and you know what you're going to get out of the receivers. Tyree Kill is a top ten receiver in the league, if not top five. His speed is just a game changer. It's unstoppable. And it's, yeah, again. Or as you just said, so far, teams have been pretty much unable to stop his speed. They have Travis Kelsey, who is a top five tight end in the league right now. Most likely number one. And when you look back at the past five years, he has been the top tight end in the league. Yep. But then you look at uh, at the Ravens, who have uh, Mark Andrews, who is kind of also on that path to being a top 10 in the league. So you have it. Where both sides have so much firepower on offense, you think this is going to be a shootout. Vegas thinks so too. Uh, the total is set at 54.5 points for tonight's game. Oh man, you put the house on the over, right? I'm not sure I put the house on it, but... 54 is... It's a lot of points, but it's the Chiefs and it's the it's the Ravens. Do you think their defenses can really step up? Both these teams... No, the, don't. This, the strength of both these teams is their D-lines. You got Frank Clark and you have... Uh, why is his name number 95? Oh, that's Frank Clark. And uh doesn't matter. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I apologize. His name's eluding me right now. But then uh, for the Ravens, they've went and rebuilt their D line this offseason. They added uh, Derek Wolf from the Broncos. Um, so it's it's kind of a question of can you get these quarterbacks under pressure? And if you do, who's going to step up on offense? You got Clyde Edwards hilaire for the Chiefs, who's been outstanding.
2: Yeah, he's been really good.
1: And they're going to be looking to yeah. attack the the weakness of the uh, the the Ravens' defense, which is their linebackers.
2: Yes, I think uh, the Chiefs also get Sammy Watkins uh, back tonight, mm-hmm. so that's big. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think the spread, I think last check was two and a half. It was either two and a half or three and a half.
1: At last check, for me, I
2: had three on the dot. Three on the dot, so it's okay. It's gone down then, probably. But it, it's right there. I would, uh, you know, I'm going to take... Uh, I really want to take Baltimore tonight just because I, I really do like Lamar Jackson. Just his swagger and how he just doesn't talk. He doesn't care what anyone says. He just goes out and plays, man. I like his playing style. How no one else in the NFL can run like him. Uh, I would love to see Baltimore do it, but I just don't think so, man.
1: Uh, I think for me tonight, the, the game is going to come down to the secondary of the Chiefs. Because it, it's young. you got Lejarius Sneed, who has had been outstanding to start his NFL career. Mm-hmm. Two interceptions in two games. Uh, that's so difficult to do as a rookie cornerback you also got Tyron Matthew back in the secondary but it's the weakness of their team the secondary still Mm -hmm. so I think it's going to come down to if they can step up and, and get the job done I mean the Ravens have a good secondary I still think Patrick Mahomes is going to get his so it's going to come down to can that Chiefs defense do enough to limit Lamar Jackson you saw last year at the end of the game it was it was it was nervy time Chiefs got the win 33-28, but it was close, and, and it kind of came down to that, that Chiefs secondary at the end. We'll see. Should be a fun one tonight. Chiefs-Ravens 7:15 on ESPN.
0: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio.
1: Wrapping up a Monday show here on Hail Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson. And uh, Will, I, I just realized I didn't make my pick for the Chiefs-Ravens game tonight. Mm. get to that in a second. First, I want to remind you uh, about our friends over at West Blue Realty. If you're looking to make a move in 2020, you need to give the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty a call today. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities, and they will help make your next move a smooth one. They also deal with uh, agricultural land. They have an experienced auctioneer and can handle anything from live auctions, sealed bids, and general land listings. Sold land in Lancaster, Odo, and Seward Counties and uh they can handle a large radius and they can handle you too. Uh Excuse me. Remember uh for a limited time only you can mention $1000 uh Man, that library is going so well too. I apologize to West Blue Realty. Uh, for a limited time only you can mention Hale Varsity and they will provide you with up to $1000 upon the purchase of your uh, your next home. You can call Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider for more details. Remember you need to Ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? They're located at 1120 K Street, Suite 200, or you can look them up online, westbluerealty.com. Remember, it pays to work with West Blue Realty. Okay, so I, I think I have to make my prediction for Chiefs-Ravens tonight. Yes, um, and
2: the line is uh, 3.5. Yeah, and,
1: and for me, it's just it, it's so tough because I, I do really like that Chiefs pass rush. I think they've even gotten better this year. Uh, I'm talking about Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Chris big, Jones, that's right. Big thanks to, uh, to Jacob for reaching out and letting me know the name there. Uh, I apologize to Chiefs fans everywhere for forgetting Chris Jones' name because that guy's just dominant inside, and whenever he signed the deal this summer, uh, I as a Broncos fan became terrified. You should have. I, I didn't think that they'd be able to, to keep all their stars together, but Veach is just working uh, working wonders with their cap space over in Kansas City. Um, so, so, so are you taking the dog? I mean, it's first time Kansas City's been an underdog in a while. I I think it's so tough. It's so tough. Part of me thinks that the Chiefs coming off that poor performance last week will have that chip on their shoulder, and they're going to want to come out and kind of smoke the Ravens. But I also think that the Ravens are going to be mad that they didn't get a shot at the Chiefs last year in the AFC Championship game, and they're going to see this as their, we got bounced too early. This is their chance to show the Chiefs that we're here, and uh, we're going to be ready for them in January. Because let's be honest, this is going to be the matchup come January, AFC Championship game. Chiefs-Ravens. I'm calling my shot now. That's going to be it.
2: So yeah, I mean, the only thing that really matters here is home field advantage for the playoffs, right?
1: And it's still such a long season right. that even that doesn't matter that much in week three. Right. So it, it, it's it's that, and it's kind of just letting the other team know, hey, we're here. This is what you got to be ready for come January. So with all that in mind, i got to go, I think, with the Ravens. Okay. All right. I, I'm going to get the Ravens to cover. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Give me Ravens 32, give me Chiefs 27. Okay. Which is a strange score.
2: It is uh, strange. Very strange but score, but cover. Chiefs cover,
1: or Ravens cover barely. But yeah, Ravens 32, Chiefs 27. That's, that's, that's I'm locking it in. That's my prediction for the night.
2: I love it, man. They can hear that game right here on ESPN tonight.
1: Oh, yeah, it's coming up here in about an hour should be able hear Chiefs-Ravens here on ESPN Lincoln. Uh, or if you're in front of a TV, it's going to be on uh, ESPN as all Monday night games are. Should be a good one tonight. And uh, let me tell you, I-, I had fun with this one. I think it was a good show today. Uh, Will, appreciate you coming in and, uh, and handling business. Of
2: course, man. Thank you. Good job.
1: Yeah, Fun to have the show with you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lotter. we got Mitch Sherman as well as the Day-by-Day Producers.